on today's show, Houston Rockets season preview part one, as we dive into yet another season for your Houston Rockets. What are the most important storylines to pay attention to this year with Ime Odoka as the new head coach of your Rockets, Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun entering year three, Amin Thompson's rookie year, the new identity for this Rockets team. It's all so very important. What are the biggest questions facing this team this season, predictions, and so much more? It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by a game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code Locked on NBA for $20 off your very first purchase. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day. Thank you for being an everydayer of the show, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now for our Houston Rockets season preview, we've got two of your weekly co-hosts here, none other than the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Loggerline podcast, Ben DuBose, and also Frank from the Rockets Chop Shop. You can track down both of these guys on Twitter at Ben DuBose and at FTank58, and be sure to tap into the Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube for a ton of exclusive Houston Rockets content, as well as checking in with the Rockets Wire for all of your daily Houston Rockets coverage. guys. We are right here. The tip-off of the season is right around the corner, and we're going to dive headfirst and just try to explore some of the storylines, some of the expectations, some of the biggest questions facing this Rockets team going into this season. Now, as a as a very brief precursor to this, uh, you know, for anybody who maybe has been under a rock for the last couple months and has not kept up with this team ever since the final buzzer of last season, a quick refresher, if you will. Steven Silas let go as the head coach. They hire Ime Udoka. They receive the number four and number 20 picks in the NBA draft and proceed to draft Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore. They make a bunch of trades uh, around free agency, getting rid of KJ Martin, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, and Ty Ty Washington, bringing in veterans like Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jock Landale, Jeff Green, and then most recently just ahead of training camp, Reggie Bullock. And that kind of brings us to where we are today with this team. So, Frank, I want to throw it to you first. We just finished Rockets training camp. What to you have we learned about this team through Rockets training camp and to where we are right now on the precipice of the start of the season? I think there's two things that I've learned, and uh, the positive and the negative. The positive is that, and this kind of ties in, I was watching the Magic and Rockets play from last season just to kind of, you know, do some pre-work for a a preview for the game video I was going to do in how lazy the Rockets were last year on both ends of the court was, I don't, it's, it was so jarring to really watch the difference in attitude and how they went about their business on the court. 
They're not so for getting ditch. after it like they're supposed to. <laughs> you can't team me up That's like that. <laughs> they were not getting after it, but for this year, watching what uh, Emo Doka, even if some of the stuff is ugly at times, it looks kind of wonky the way they're playing because they're still trying to figure things out. Just the effort, the, uh, the continuous effort on both ends of the court, and I think it does impact some of the play of our younger players from the Steven Silas era in their struggles they're having early with uh, Jalen. Um, obviously, his offense, it's pick, picked up a bit, but he's been struggling on that end with maximizing his effort on defense. And to me, for Alpi as well, um, having to play, be a two-way player, which is something that both of them are not used to being. So the the hustle, the grit, and I think that's an identity that the Rockets can try to take on as they figure out who they are. Um, that's the positive. The negative is going to be their shooting. Um, I'm really concerned about the team um, as far as the the floor spacing that we have. Shot 29% in the free, in the, uh, from three in the in the preseason in the in the games that they played. You know the league is very big about shooting threes, and um, I, I don't know when they plan to address it or how they're going to address it. But I think it's something that if it's not addressed, it's going to be something that comes back and bite us uh, later on in the season. But overall, I, I think that just a new era, you can tell there's a different aura about the team. And um, I'm really excited to see how that what we saw in the preseason translates over to the uh, to these games coming up. Aura, look at you using those Gen Aura. Z words, Frank. I, I love it. I love it. Aura, <laughs> vibes, the whole the whole shebang. Ben, what have you learned? What have you picked up about this team th- you know, to this point? Yeah, somewhat similar observations to Frank. I think defensively, the culture has clearly improved. That's where the Rockets should take a step forward. And you bring in two new starters like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. You can see that paying dividends already, not just with those two, but how they transform the overall vibe, the aura, if you will, the the culture. You can see them competing a lot harder on a possession-by-possession basis. It also goes into Ime Udoka instead of Steven Silas. I do think the Rockets should take a step forward on that side. The personnel is just simply better. And guys like Jabari and Tari, who are known for their defense but were a bit raw a year ago, are now now more seasoned. They're going into season two, although Tari will miss the first two or three weeks with an injury. Hopefully it's not any longer than that. Defensively, I, I think clearly there's going to be a step forward. And Ime brings a certain credibility on that side of the ball. Offensively, what the past week in particular showed me is how dependent this team still largely is on Jalen Green to create offense. And perhaps it's a little exaggerated, those two games in San Antonio, because Alper and Shingun has been what I hope is unsustainably poor this preseason. I think it's largely just a small sample, and he should get back to being the all-P that we saw a year ago on the offensive end as something of a hub. We know is going to give him at least some greater opportunities than what he had for large stretches of last season with Kevin Porter Jr. running the show. But look, while the Rockets chose with all their free agency money and the veterans they brought in to really address the defensive side of the ball and culture, offensively, they chose a path that allows the young players they have in place to hopefully grow into those roles. That was a big part of the logic in going for Fred instead of James Harden, is that they didn't want to radically transform the offense into something different. Well, the risk with that is that unlike James Harden, who would draw an enormous amount of attention and fundamentally change the landscape for a guy like Jalen Green, perhaps making life easier for him, a guy like Fred Van Vliet, is he a better point guard than Kevin Porter Jr.? Sure, but it's not going to fundamentally change the offense all that dramatically. It's still going to be very dependent on Jalen Green and Alper and Shingun. And last year, we talked about them needing to be more efficient, Jalen in particular, and it being harder because the infrastructure wasn't around them. 
The infrastructure got a little bit better in the offseason with regards to the offense. It didn't get a lot better. So in terms of taking that next step, some of it's just going to be on Jalen and all P themselves. They're heading into year three. It's a contract year because they can get extensions next offseason. I hope they can live up to it, but I think those two games in San Antonio and the corresponding struggles without Jalen to really generate offense when it gets sticky in the half court just reminded you that, hey, they're going to be leaning on Jalen a lot. It's not like the help around him is superb. So is Jalen ready to take that next step himself? Clearly, the Rockets are gambling that he is. That's a big part of why they went with Fred over James. But now there's actually pressure on LP and especially uh, Jalen to take that leap. Fully agree there. And, and the, you know, the points about Jalen and kind of the, the issues this team faced when he wasn't on the floor. You know, I think that what we're going to see this year is I guess one thing that really stood out to me is just a level of experimentation by Ime. And I know it's preseason, so maybe that's, you know, why there was a, a level of experimentation there, tinkering with different lineups, that kind of thing. But I also fully expect Ime to be the kind of guy who's not afraid to try something new as the season's going along or maybe taking a look at, hey, like this lineup's not, you know, really struggling for XYZ reason. Let me try this lineup instead. For example, throughout the preseason, you know, in the early couple games, we saw him going to Alper and Shingun to kind of anchor that second unit at the top of second quarters. And then in the final game of the preseason, he actually went with Jalen Green there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to anchor that second unit group at the top of the second quarter. And that's where Jalen really took off offensively, right? He had a strong end of the first quarter, and then he had that strong top of the second quarter against the Miami Heat on, on his way to 17 first half points. So I fully expect Ime to kind of be in a way, the anti-Silas as far as creativity and, and actual experimentation with these lineups and trying new things. And we're already seeing he's not afraid to throw, you know, Jock Landale, Jeff Green out there at the same time. We know that Jeff Green is probably going to get an increase or an uptick in his minutes with the absence of Tari Eason, at least to start this season being out for the next probably two to three weeks or so. But, uh, you know, going back to some of the defensive numbers, too, from training camp, I mean, you or sorry, I apologize, not training camp, preseason. You take it with a grain of salt because it is preseason, but the Rockets are very clearly establishing a defensive identity, and it's not talk. You can look at it in the numbers. They were the second best team as far as defensive rating goes in the preseason, a defense rating of 95.1. Then some of the other defensive stats that really stood out, they were third in opponents' points off turnovers at just 14.8 per contest throughout preseason. They were second in opponent fast break points per game at 8.6, and then second in opponents' points in the paint. So this is a team that has established a new defensive identity, and the young guys have kind of bought into it. And to Frank's point earlier, there are going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some struggles for guys like Jalen, like Alpi, who have maybe solely focused on offense for a majority of their careers. And now they're struggling with the additional energy output on the defensive side. And maybe their offense is going to struggle a little bit from that, but they're going to get accustomed to it. And they're going to be better, more winning players because of that yeah. identity shift at the end of the day. And again, credit to Ime Odoka for coming in, having an established vision and being able to start to bring that vision to life. But whether or not, you know, it, it coalesces as the season goes along. They're going to hit some rough patches here and there. It's not all going to be sunshine and roses throughout this entire season. Fred Van Vliet has talked about that. He's talked about when the going gets tough, when you have a losing streak, how do you respond to that? And it feels like they're putting in the right foundations and the right support systems for these young guys to understand, hey, you're going to have a, a rough game or two. You're going to have a loss or two. That's okay if you stick to these fundamental principles, if you do the things that we're trying to do, if you continue to embody these winning habits, if you focus on your defense, if you do the things, if you control the things that you can control, then you're going to be just fine. I want to get into some of the... Real quick, Jackson, there yeah, was one important stat that I think that in the defensive end that 
um, we didn't mention was they were, I think, number one in transition defense, which if you know what the Rockets, I mean, you guys are, if you're watching this, yeah. we were literally one of the worst in NBA history. I think it was two years ago, had the worst transition defense in, in the history of the this league. And for them, even if it's just a stretch of four or five games to be number one, it, it just speaks volumes to what you just referred to about the structure and the change in identity that they're bringing on. And I think, uh, I don't know if you were the one that asked uh, Coach Adoka the question about using uh, Landale and, and Green. And his response uh, was basically saying that what he wants is data so he can know how he's going to use the team. So, I, you know, for the fans, I think it's going to be a lot of patience that, that's coming in because they really, you can't really make any decisions about what your offense or defense is going to look like until you assess what your players are good at. And I think a lot of the preseason, the experimentation, uh, the players being used, some of the lineups we hated. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tate and the men. Um, and so some of those lineups, those are just data lineups. When the real season starts and they start implementing these things to see what works, you'll see them kind of narrowly focus on what helps them win. But with the Celtics, when they um, first uh, he took over over there, that first half of the season was bad. I mean, the Celtics fans were calling for his head. I remember it was blow the team up and fire Coach Adoka, trade Jalen Brown. And it took them until January. And this is a team that's been to the Eastern Conference Finals several years you know, in a row, playoff wins. So for us as a team coming from where we're coming from, there is going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs throughout the, the first half of the season, in my opinion. So I think the fan base just has to be prepared for that, for that uh, gr growing curve they're going to have. Patience is definitely going to be very, very right. important this season. It's not going to be an immediate fix. It all feels amazing right now. And trust me, there is a world of difference between last year's team and this year's team, but there still will be some, you know, bumps and bruises along the way for this team to adjust to. Coming up, do you want to get into some of the biggest questions facing this team this year? Some of the most important storylines that we're going to be following throughout the season, as well as we'll get to some predictions and so much more. It's all coming up here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get in on the action this NFL and NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That means $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And all you have to do is wager five bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. Right now, you can take a look at the outright favorites to win the NBA title this season. The Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks, both at plus 380. Right behind them, you got the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns at plus 550. And then rounding out the top five, you have the LA Lakers at plus 1300 to win it all this season. The app is so easy to use. They've got so many betting odds like those for the NBA championship, as well as spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more to choose from. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on for the NFL season, as well as the NBA season right around the corner. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, as far as some of the storylines that we're going to be paying attention to this season, Ben, I know you already mentioned, you know, year three, the all important year three for mm -hmm. Jalen Green, Alperin Shingoon, you know, whether they not whether they become extension eligible, they will be extension eligible. But, you know, whether they warrant, you know, max rookie scale extensions, you know, how does this year factor into the negotiations a little bit further down the line? There's that there's a men Thompson's rookie year how do he and cam whitmore look can cam whitmore break into the rockets rotation of course Emi Odoka, one of the biggest storylines right how does he look coaching his first team since the layoff from the boston celtics right how does he adjust from a team that had very clearly championship aspirations to a team 
that is, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the come up, if you will, right? Trying to get back to a place of playing some competitive basketball before getting to those championship aspirations. So let me throw it to you, Ben. What do you think is the most important storyline or one of the most important storylines that you're going to be paying close attention to yeah. this season? And I'm going to look at this much more in a macro perspective. You all may look at more micro things. But for me, and there's two ways that this can happen and they may overlap, but it comes back to one theme. Are they closer to a championship in April than they are in October? And there are multiple ways that that can happen. First off, your core six, your third year guys, Jalen and LP, your second year guys, Jabari Smith and Tari Eason, your rookies, Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Do any of those guys show signs, and especially the guys that are entering their second and third years, they don't have to be anything close to a top 15, top 20 player this season. Of course, that's unrealistic. But do they show signs? Do they show glimpses that they could become that down the line? Because for this to ultimately become a championship team, again, the way they went after it last offseason with the money they spent in free agency, it's not like they brought in another superstar. They're counting on, in terms of getting the best player or second best player on a championship level team, largely developing that from within this core six. So do we see flashes, and especially the third-year guys going into their contract years or contract summers, I should say, do you feel better about them becoming that player in a few months than you do right now? That's one area that you can get closer to a championship. The other area is simply in the win-loss record. Because if Ime can take this from a 22-60 and 60 team to a year ago to, let's not get carried away. Let's not talk about play-in and play-off just yet. Let's just say they can go clear improvement to 34-35 wins, mid-30s, improved by 10-plus. That might be the type of jump which combined with growth from your young prospects and Ime's stature as a really beloved head coach around the league, at least in the eyes of the players that I've heard from, that might make you desirable, even if you don't develop the best or second best player in a championship team from within your organization, then that can make you attractive on the trade market down the line. And maybe there's a situation we've talked about in the past where Joel Embiid declares the situation is crazy, which it clearly <laughs> is in Philadelphia. And, you know, Kelly Eco's already reported that Houston would be one of the teams along with New York at the forefront of his list. And so if, if the Rockets take a step forward, and especially if it comes with development from those young guys that look on the verge, on the cusp of doing something special, then that's going to make Houston more desirable. On the flip side, if this is a season in which the Rockets sort of stagnate and only win in the mid to low 20s, then you know one thing that's going to be uncomfortable about this year is that there actually is pressure. I get the question all the time, as emotional as I am about Astros games, people will ask me on Twitter, Ben, why are you so emotional about Astros games and not really that reactive to Rockets games? And the answer is largely the situations of the teams. Now, some of it's that I'm a media member for the Rockets, not so much for the Astros. So with the Rockets, because I'm in the locker room, because I am around the team, I do have to be a bit more measured in what I say, because I do see these guys on a more regular basis. But beyond that, it's also that, you know, the Astros are right in the middle or towards the end of their window. The Rockets haven't opened. And the last couple of years, we've been able to excuse a lot of things by saying, well, even if this is really nasty, then look, the Rockets have the $60 million in cap space coming up that they're going to spend. They're going to upgrade the coach from Steven Silas to someone else. All these young guys, they're so young that you can't reasonably expect anything from them. Well, a lot of those excuses are going out the way. Jalen and LP are entering year three. You've made the coaching upgrade from Silas to Udoka. You've spent the money in free agency, and it doesn't look like you're going to have free agency money other than the mid-level exception for a while. So there actually is pressure, unlike the last couple of years, when you could sort of just spin everything and say, well, even if this is terrible now, we can fix all this with a new coach, the money, and so on and so forth. 
Now there's actual expectations because if this doesn't work, it's not clear exactly how you would take the next step. So again, to answer that, it's either, and hopefully a combination of the two, some of your young guys looking like potential all-stars within a few years and feeling better about that possibility in April than you do right now. And beyond that, the team as a whole having the types of results to where you can be attractive enough to other all-stars on the trade market, be it next offseason or beyond, so that Houston is in line for those if for some reason it doesn't happen internally. Frank, what you got? I would say, um, and I agree with everything he just said, and I think all of it kind of ties in. The performance of Jalen's class of players uh, between him and Alperen Sengun to me is going to be the biggest storyline I'm watching for going forward because, you know, extensions aside, I think like he, he stated earlier, they're really banking on their internal development to help this team be successful, especially with the expectations of winning. Um, I think there are some questions that need to be answered for both of them uh, and different questions, but questions nonetheless for Jalen is, is he a guy, right? And, you know, you can't really is win. Is he the him? <laughs> is he him? Like we got to know, is, is he him? And, in the NBA, you can't win without one of those guys. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't, um, you can't, you can't win without a guy on your roster that is is one of those those people in the NBA, and he has to answer that. It's the third year. He's, you know, there was an interview that dropped where he 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 knows about the pressures that comes with the role that he's in right now. Um, can he live up to those? Does his game translate to that? As what he's gone through in the past few years prepared him for that. Um, that's going to be answered. And for Alperen Shangun, his is a little more complex. I would say, given how you know he, this, you know how the Rockets have kind of used and perceived them over the years, I feel like um, there's his role going forward is up in the air. Obviously, there is going to be a case where you may have to move one of the core. Well, we had four before we added Cam and the men, and you know, whether it's fans, whether it's some of the, the stuff coming out of the, the, um, the front office, Al P isn't viewed as their top prospect. But this year, with the fresh start, he gets to show what he can be on a team that's trying to win. And what I've seen so far is the translation of him becoming a more defensively um, focused player rather than one that's just offensive. And I've had him as high as the third best defensive player in our preseason up to the game so far. Alperin has been, you know, he had a lapses just like any other player in the NBA. But in totality from the preseason, he's been very consistent with his effort. You know, the offensive side, that's suffering. But, you know, still there's defensive issues there, especially protecting the rim. Ideally, you want Jabari to be that weak side helper. Jabari is not up to par yet. Jabari is suffering on defense as good as his offense is. So that question of bringing a second big onto the team it's either going to be a big that's going to take his spot. It's going to be a big that's going to play alongside of him and it's, or it's somebody that could back him up. I think he gets to answer that question um, based on how he plays. If it's somebody that plays alongside of him, he has to be better offensively and be able to stretch the court, which he hasn't shown to do. If it's somebody that's going to play, um, that's going to play behind him, then he has to be able to hold his own on both ends of the court. Or if somebody's going to take a spot, the Rockets have to bring in somebody that's clearly better than him. To me, there is a clock going right now, and I feel like if he isn't showing what he needs to show by the trade deadline, not saying they're going to kick him off the team or trade him, but you can see, in my opinion, they they should make a move to bring in a, another center that's going to be able to either compete with that spot for him or be his long-term replacement. Um, and these are the questions that the Rockets and the fan base has to answer because now it's real. You know, we don't have the excuses of development 
it's business now for everybody. There are no safe spaces for any of our players. When you're trying to win, you make the best moves to win. And I think a lot of us have fall, fell in love with certain players, you know, just off of the affection of getting to know them through all the, the trauma of the rebuild. But <laughs> when it's time to win, it's time to win. And I, I feel like um, it's going to be some really, it's going to be some earth-shaking things that are going to happen to Ben's point. By the time we get to that April and that summer coming up, if the team doesn't look as good as uh, Coach Udoka or, or uh, Rafael Stone or Tillman Fertitta, I expect them to look. A lot of Rockets fans have just trauma bonded with the players throughout this entire rebuild. And it's yeah. like, this is my emotional support basketball player. Please don't take him away from me. We've been through so much together. Hey, um, we'll still have the Josh Christopher hoodies to remind us of that time. <laughs> oh, man, what a throwback. Look, you know, I thought that was that would be for sure. I was like, they're, they're going to extend this kid if they're going to give him the, uh, the basketball line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, man, the, the hot boys clothing line. Come on. I got one of those hoodies in my closet right now. Don't even. No, look. Okay. So kind of, you know, piggybacking off both of the points that you guys made, you know, I, I'm definitely paying attention to the internal growth is a big one, but it's kind of, it's kind of this tough balancing act for Ime Odoka, right? Where he has to focus on not only, he doesn't just get this endless amount of runway to just throw developmental reps at these young guys and see, right. and see what happens and see what sticks. He has to simultaneously develop and grow the young guys, but also be a competitive basketball team. So I think the really tough thing this year, and it's it's more or less along the same lines of the points that you guys were making, is can the Rockets identify which of the core six guys are, are actually the pieces that they comfortably and confidently want to build around? Because right now, we don't know. I mean, Jalen is kind of the pseudo face of the franchise at this point because he was the, the first building block of the rebuild, the first big draft pick, like the first piece post James Harden era, all of that. But is Jalen that guy? Is that guy Jabari? Maybe it's a men by the end of the year. Maybe a men just surprises everybody and he has a stellar rookie year. And we're just like de facto. No, he's he's the face of the franchise moving forward. We really don't know out of this core yeah. six. And I think that's why you look at some of the some of the angling, some of the marketing, some of the approach, the hype videos, all this. You know, maybe it's too much reading into tea leaves, but kind of I think right now the face of the franchise is really Ime. Ime is the face of this Rockets franchise now, and he's shouldering that responsibility, you know, trying to get this team back to a place where they're playing competitive basketball again. So I'm I'm focusing on that, and that's going to be an important storyline just to monitor the individual growth and development of all six of those guys this season, a little bit less so for Amin and Cam. They've got a little bit more runway than the other four, but figuring Basically, out where those guys fit in. Basically, who shows you signs, as I was saying earlier, yeah. of becoming this one of the top two or three best players on a contending team? Exactly yep. that. And, and, yep. and so you, to your email point real quick, um, bro, sure. I, I think that's appropriate that the coach and the team that is has so many young players be the face of the franchise, be that that voice, be the, the, the guy that fills the void of a star, because these kids are not ready to take on that mantle. Not, that's what a lot of fans and expected from Steven Silas to be, whether it's no fault of his own, whether that's his personality. But Ime has a certain command about him that he kind of feels those voice, you know, his voice, the, his size. So all of that just to me, it, it is actually a positive for the Rockets because it gives Jalen and a man and whoever the who are trying to be these guys that that covering to be able to develop without the scrutiny of answering all the hard questions about the team. So I think that's a great thing for them. So, yeah, Ime as the leader is definitely one part and kind of how that plays into the development of the young guys. And then the other piece that I and this is a, a much smaller piece, but it kind of also fits in with with Ben's point about, you know, the next big move, if you will, or maybe trading one of the young guys like Frank was saying, maybe it's Al P, who knows, is 
paying attention to what happens around the trade deadline this year and where the rock where this Rockets team is at and where they've gotten you know by the time the trade deadline gets here because this could be a thing where if the rebuild is accelerated enough where they're winning games they look like a competent team and if there is that disgruntled star that distressed asset that's available at this trade deadline why wait until summertime to figure that out? They've got the reason that they traded Kevin Porter Jr. to the Thunder and they brought back Victor Oladipo on an, another expiring deal, albeit one that's on a slightly cheaper, cheaper dollar figure at $9.5 million instead of Kevin's just under $16 million, is you have the ability now to package Victor Oladipo, Jeff Green, Jock Landale, yep. potentially Jay Shantate, all of these guys together to get up to that maximum salary floor to acquire a big name target a big name player if if one becomes yeah. available and, at the midway point this season yeah and one quick addition to that i think the rockets will be much more liberal with their willingness to trade future draft picks based on where they are the last couple of years they were so far from contention it didn't make much sense because the team wouldn't be much better no matter who you added to it even if you're talking adding a top 10 or top 15 players somehow but also you knew that those 2022 and 2023 picks were going to be very high and they were unprotected assets, of course the Rockets were going to prioritize those. Whereas in 2024, first off, it's a weak draft, or it's believed to be, according to most of the experts that I read. But beyond that, Houston's pick, it's top four protected, but we hope that doesn't have to kick in. And the Brooklyn picks, while there's some optimism for them, I don't think they have nearly the confidence in the Brooklyn picks being you know, clearly top five the way they did yeah. with the Houston picks the last couple of years. So because of that, there's less upside to waiting for the draft for waiting for that talent to eventually materialize. There's much more of an emphasis on the here and now. So because of that, I think the Rockets will also be much more aggressive in their trade offers should the right guy come available. And I think that also waiting to the deadline and getting close to the deadline before they make a move is probably what's going to happen because what you don't want to do is make a, a, a quick decision and be stuck with something when there's better opportunities out there. So I know a lot of people are expecting them to address all their issues that they're having like right now. Like, go get a shooter right now. Go get um, a big man right now. But it would behoove them for them to actually wait to see what they have with the roster, like y'all's points, how they're performing at that point. And you can have a clear eye to see what exactly the type of player you need to add. Um, even if it's not a big name star, it could just be a really good role player that fills a need that would improve the team uh, even for that season or in the next few years. Great points, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And obviously, the trade deadline this year is going to be a little bit different than in previous years. Previous years, it's just like, ooh, can we see Rafael Stone pull a Sam Presti and you know, add, you know, add yeah. some additional Asset you know, assets or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. you know, those were those were always a little bit disappointing, unfortunately. Yeah. But maybe this year we see him pull out the big guns and go trade for uh, a significant piece. But of course, uh, that's a little bit further down the line. Coming up, want to get into some predictions before we get into this season, some expectations, some thoughts on maybe some awards that the Rockets might be gunning for or who the best player might be by the end of the year. We're going to get to all of that and so much more here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. I, I know I've been there before using a ticketing app and, you know, one, you can't find the right seats or the app is super clunky to use. It's confusing. Or here's the worst one, my least favorite. You go to punch in, you punch in all your card information, right? You hit submit and then something breaks or whatever and it all gets erased. You have to retype everything. That is the worst feeling ever. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and theater events happening near you. 
GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They've got all-in prices, and they show you your total up front, so you don't get surprised by the hidden fees later on. You can buy tickets in seconds with two clicks. It is that simple so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms do apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nba that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-b-a for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball all right guys here's an interesting one and I, I thought about phrasing this question one way, and I decided to chop it up and do it a slightly different way. So we're just going to keep it a little bit more open-ended. Who do you think is the best player on this Rockets team come season's end? Frank, take us off. Um, I, if I'm going to segment mine into young guys and vets. I, I think Fred Van Vliet is our best player, and I think he's going to stay our best player for this year. Um, the value he's going to bring, uh, it's going to, you know, it's, it's not, you can't really quantify it. Uh, and him transforming the culture, but on the court, um, I'm you know, my last video I made, I spoke about this in the preseason. Players like him, like Dylan, they they play, they know how to pace themselves. So there's levels to the to the play of these types of vets. And I think if you judge how Fred or Dylan look off of the preseason, then you you just don't know NBA basketball. We've watched James Harden, PJ Tucker, and all these guys basically chill for the first three months of the season. And then once it gets close to all-star break, they have this switch that they flip when they can see what, you know, what the end game is. And I think um, Fred has different levels he can get to. Obviously, he's a champion. I think he's going to be um, our best player. But, uh, you know, for, you know, obviously we're looking long term. Um, I still think Jalen has the highest ceiling to be able to be that type of player. It's, a lot of it is going to be predicated on his ability to either be a, a better defender or um, just a more well-rounded offensive player. That includes scoring, playmaking, all of that. Um, I think the effort is there, but his game, you know, surprisingly, Jalen has a very limited offensive bag, what I call it. You look at some of the players in the league, like uh, Jalen Williams over in uh, Oklahoma City, or some younger players that are more polished in their diversity, how they score. Um, you can see that translating more as they grow. For Jalen, he's kind of, one two-dimensional right now he can get downhill to the rim where he's shooting shots so as he grows and diversifies his game and becomes more efficient his talent and his athletic ability really allows him to become that upper tier top 20 top 15 type of player we can have on this roster um but at the end of this year i say him i'm still really high on the man thompson and jabari smith i think alpern shangun his physical limitations um may kind of cap where he can be but i think he can be a great player but i think Jalen's still the guy that if he hits what he's supposed to do, then he he can be our best player, number one player. To your point about Fred, very quickly, you know, he he spoke, you know, after that final preseason game against the Heat, where he kind of came out guns blazing. He was joking about. I asked him after the game, I was like, just so hey, a couple slow starts, and you decided you're just going to come out on fire, and he was like, yeah, just you know, decided to you know get after it a little bit more in this game. So that that's very much have that little switch they can flip, where it's like, okay, I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously this time around. And so Fred did that in that game against the Heat to kind of give the Rockets a little bit of that that extra oomph to start that game. Ben. Best player into this season. Yeah, so this is going to be a, a boring answer, but I'm largely piggybacking off of Frank. I think Fred is generally someone who's undervalued around the entire NBA because, you know, I mentioned earlier, in terms of the offense, he's not a transformational guy and that 
other defenses are going to dial up what they do around Fred Van Vliet. But when you look at the totality of his game and what he brings you in terms of, you know, not just the 20 points and seven assists or whatever it is, but the commitment to defense, the leadership, the organization, the culture, he's a winning player. Most of the analytics models that I trust grade him out and have for years as somewhere in the top 30 to 50 range in the NBA, which you wouldn't think if you're looking just at the more traditional box scores. But Fred has a clear impact on winning. And I think because he's not a highlight guy, because he's not, well, he did make the all-star team one year, but he's not exactly a household name. I think people are sleeping on the magnitude of that uh, acquisition over the offseason. He is on a short-term deal worthy of a max deal and I think that's something that put on putting onto a 22 and 60 team, you don't often see 22 and 60 teams add that type of player. And so I do think he's clearly going to be the best. However, I'm with uh, Frank in that I think Jalen, by the end of this year, the preseason has sort of reminded me again that there's not really a transformational effect on the offense. So they're going to have to lean pretty heavily on Jalen. And this is where I think Fred, as more of a true point guard than Kevin Porter Jr., can hopefully get Jalen to the right spots on the floor, provide the right encouragement, you know, not just for Fred to be a good player himself, but to lift up those around him. And Jalen's entering year three, so that gives him a leg up on the guys that are either rookies or sophomores. He's going to be asked a lot. And, you know, a month or so ago, we did a preview show, and I said that my expectation for Jalen was to have a you know, around the same averages as last year, 22, four and four, but for the efficiency to tick up, I'm actually now at the point now seeing how things worked in the preseason. It actually wouldn't surprise me if he goes up to 24 or 25 points a game. Now the efficiency might not creep up as much as I was hoping because he is going to be asked to do a lot in terms of self-creation. But I think Jalen does have an ability to take on more. The gifts are clearly there. The dedication, the talent is there. He seems healthy. I think this is going to be a big year for him, and I think he's going to show signs that down the line he can eventually get to that Devin Booker, Bradley Beal-type class, knock on wood, don't want to put too many expectations on him. But I think for this year, he'll show the flashes, but Fred will still be clearly the most valuable player overall. And I, I like how um, Coach Adoka is pushing him to explore other aspects of his game on the court mm -hmm. rather than just pick and roll, um, where they're using him off ball more, where he's getting yep. uh, coming off of screens and shooting off of screens and things like that. And, and I Fred think when actually I, rewards him when he does yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And I think when I talk about his, his limitations as just a pure, like, offensive player, the Devin Booker, Devin Booker out the gate was a very polished, just a, he worked in the post. He's, you know, mid-range, everything. So mm -hmm. for Jalen, being pushed to be more diverse is going to help him reach those goals. Um, just what he was doing his rookie and uh, sophomore year, just being a, you know, three-point or or downhill at the rim player, it's not going to win in the NBA, especially when you're not efficient. So um, I think the coach, the coaches have the right idea for him. And if he becomes a weapon wherever he's on the court, then it's that much better for the Rockets and that much better for his case to be a star. I can see that. And again, Jalen's got the, the super sky high potential and, and it's been really uh, a breath of fresh air to see the different ways that they've tried to utilize him so far through the early part of the preseason. Again, we've only got three games to go off of here. He's still going to be a very important part of this team. There were some Rockets fans, I think, who were, you know, like, oh, well, we don't need Jalen anymore. And then you got Bill Simmons saying the same thing. And it's it's like, no, no, no. He's, you know, when Jalen's not out there, the team looks different. The team struggles when he's not out there because he's still a very important part of this Rockets offense. And he's going to be kind of the bailout guy at times offensively for this team where it's just like hey shot clock's running down we need a bucket eight seconds left pitch it to Jalen. he'll figure something out right he'll get he'll get us a bucket um because talent wins out at the nba level usually i'm gonna just double down on my jabari stance though i'm gonna be you, you, guys, you guys are gonna be my, my wet blankets here it's okay 
I, I still think Jabari Smith Jr. has a like insane year two pop and becomes the Rockets' best player by the end of the year. That might be a scorching hot take, but I'm going to stick with it because it's either going to look really, really good or really bad by the end of the season. But I'm just going to bury my head in the sand and keep going with it because I really do think he has the, the gifts to do it when you see how much more comfortable and confident he looks offensively. And then I know that he hasn't been quite the level of impact defender we've hoped for. We've seen yeah. moments from him defensively to this point. Um, but I do think that being in and around Emo Doka, having more structure around him, um, a better understanding of defensive principles and fundamentals, I think that's going to go a really long way. And I think he's going to pick up on all those lessons a lot faster than any other players will on this roster when it comes to that young core combined with just his proclivity for wanting to be a good defender really he wants to be good on defense he has flashes where he's good on defense and he's got the skills to be good on defense so now he just needs the technique right he needs the technique he needs actual teachers say hey you're doing this you're, you're rotating early like this is you know good enthusiasm but don't do this like all these little things that he's going to learn and pick up on it might not translate right away right away but again he's got all the makings of a high quality nba defender and i think when you couple that with the advances that he's making in his offensive game I feel really confident in saying that I think he could be the Rockets' best player by the end of this upcoming season. Speaking of this upcoming season, we've been talking about previewing all this. We got the first opening night game on the road against Orlando Magic, and then they, right after that, they face Wimby again uh, in San Antonio. I want to take a look at these first five games, guys. And You're already going for can... 30 and 10 against uh, Wimby and Paolo, right? <laughs> 30 and 10. 30, I'll take 30 and 10 against against Paolo. I, he doesn't need 30 and 10 against Wimby. I'll be excited okay. about that, but he's got to yeah. have, he's got to show off against Paolo on opening night for sure. But as we take a look at these first five games of the season, guys, I, I think when you look across the first 10 games of the year, you know, I, I think the Rockets have a chance to actually start with a 500 record right out of the yep. gate. But looking at these first five games, they've got on the road against the magic and the Spurs. Then they're at home for actually their next seven, but only will only focus on the first five here. So then they've got warriors for the home opener on October 29th. They've got the Hornets November 1st, and then the Kings on November 4th. So you look at these five games, guys, Ben, I'm going to give you first crack at it. What do you think their record is, record is after these first five games? I think it should be worst case two and three and an outside shot at three and two. But I just think that if you are a capable team, which the Rockets should be, they plan on being, then winning one of the two road games against lottery teams from a year ago, high lottery teams in Orlando and San Antonio is doable. And then you have three straight at home. They're probably going to be favored against the Hornets. So you'll look at this in terms of there's one game they're clearly favored against Charlotte. I think they should be able to take one of the two against bad teams on the road to start off the year. And then anything you get from Golden State or Sacramento, teams that are likely to be playoff bound in the West is a bonus. But, you know, they're at home. It helps the Rockets. Unlike last year, I think having so many home games early on can sort of help them get off on the right foot mentally. I think that could be a, a low-key important variable with so many new parts to this team. But I think two and three is a fair expectation. Split the road trip against the lottery teams and then at least get the Charlotte game in your bag as you go into that homestand. Frank, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say I'm right there with them, two and three, uh, possibly three and two, depending on how fast they pick up some things. I'm looking at the Warriors and the Kings as losses, just off rip, just because the style of offenses they run um, is something that requires a lot of communication, a lot of uh, fluidity on defense, which I don't think we're there yet. And we saw a preview of that with San Antonio and their motion offense and how that diced us up with the back cuts and everything and. Uh, the Warriors and the Kings are that on steroids. So I can see them struggling in that game. We should 
beat the Magic. We, we should beat the Spurs with our full roster playing their full minutes. And the Hornets, um, I think we should beat them as well. Um, uh, just just because I, I don't know what their team is, what they have going on right now. I don't like their players. So I would say if we did drop one of the bad games, I could imagine it being the Magic. Because actually, I'm really, really um, high on their their upside this year. I think they have a good team. But I think two games, we should at least win two, two, two out of the uh, five games. I'm kind of right there in that same ballpark. Again, 3-2 is kind of where I'm hovering. It, it definitely feels like the, the Magic game, the Spurs game, and the Hornets game should be kind of dubs. I'm very, I'm I'm kind of tempted to say you might come out of the gate. This Rockets team might surprise some teams early on. Maybe you get the Warriors or the Kings who are kind of coming into Houston, not ready to take this team uh, seriously, kind of how they have in the past, right? Maybe. And so may, maybe a 4-1 and one happens if they get real, you know, have a lot of energy. Right, Vliet continues to coach Steph Curry historically. There we go. Like, I, all, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, not as not as as, as Chris Paul draws breath. I don't think they're they're going to be somebody's. He's going to be up for that game, and I, you know, it's like him just. Yeah, I can see him just toying with our with our with our guys and drawing fouls and thing. I really think he does make especially them better. the second unit. Yes, yeah. exactly. So right. I think they got better, and the, you know, the Warriors just they have our number. But I think <laughs> next 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 uh, next year in the calendar year twenty four, I think we're a different team. And for you know whoever we're playing, one thing Clay about Thompson, him, yeah, Clay I Thompson would get the extension he wants if he played in all his Houston, games in <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I take him in Houston. Sorry. But um, as as long as you know they just compete, I think on a night to night basis, we we can lace them up with anybody in the league, and that's a beautiful feeling to go into every game knowing you have a chance. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Really quick before we shut this thing down, we'll go right around the t- we'll go around the table really quick. Uh, win prediction for the season. The win, the over/under win prediction on FanDuel Sportsbook is thirty-one-five right now. I've been championing this for a minute that you should slam the over on that number. I've I've been hovering around that thirty-five mark, so I'm going to say with the utmost confidence, I think thirty-five wins for this Rockets team this season. Frank, what about you? I'm going to say roughly thirty-five to thirty-eight. I think you have to try to be as bad to only win twenty games. Like you have to actively yes. try most incompetent teams stumble into 30 wins so i i would say 35 to 38 is where i'm at okay 35 to 38 ben yeah i've made the same point before the win total the last couple of years has been artificially soft i think they're above 31 and a half not quite as bullish as you guys i'll go uh 33 to 34 Okay, 33 to 34. Not bad. We're all kind of right in that little rough vicinity. And again, it's going to be a super fun season to follow so many different storylines to pay attention to. And we'll have you covered for all that right here at Locked on Rockets. But you guys know the drill. Ben, let everybody know where you can track where they can track you down at. Yep. Ben Dubose on Twitter slash X, the Rocketswire on Twitter slash X and the logger line on the same. And also Rocketswire.usatoday.com for all your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. And Frank? Ftang58 on Twitter, the Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.